Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We'll get it in there straight away that this is currently the third attempt at starting this podcast um, because it's just gone wrong. So we'll see how we go, gents. But uh, we're currently joined by three of us. There's no Andy at the moment. May join us later. We may have a rare uh, appearance of an Andy Stafford later on. Currently, we're joined by Mr. David Grant. Dave, how are we doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, how was yourself? I'm not quite sure right now, Dave. It's taken me three attempts to do this, and quite, quite frankly, I'm ready for bed. In fairness, mate, three attempts, I'm actually quite proud of you. That's a good number for you. You're normally hitting kind of Len Goodman levels of seven, eight, so... This I'll is true. Three. I'll take three. Three three's always good. Three's, three's fine. Well, that is, that is. But now, all's well here. Um, looking forward to uh, talking about an interesting weekend that's coming up. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm looking forward to talking about the interesting weekend that's just gone, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> and uh, also, we are joined by the man who actually doesn't know the definition of the word playoffs. Um, it is the toothless wonder that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Gref, how is one? I'm pretty good, thanks, Joe. I'm surprised I'm still here, considering last week's predictions. You cleared waivers, mate, so... I still think it's fine. to be had. <laughs> how are you, anyway, I'm all right, mate. The disciplinary comes at the end of the season, mate. So don't worry, you've got another couple of weeks to wait yet. That's um, fine. But yeah, no, mate, I, I'm all right. Again, once again, as we always say, we're nearly at the end of another week. Playoff finals weekend this weekend. Strange one for us, because I don't think any of us are actually going to be there now. But yeah, playoff finals weekend. Get to watch it on uh, on Premier Sports and uh, see all the enraged fans complaining that they've got to pay. How dare they? How dare they charge for a pay-per-view channel? Terrible. He can't write it. Um, anyway, straight on to the hockey, gents. Not something that we want to talk about the last week's scores. If you're a Steelers fan, Gref, you aren't, you're not even on here. So um, probably not a great one for the three of us, to be fair. Saturday, the 23rd, Guildford uh, and Nottingham tied 4-4 in Guildford. Uh, Coventry and Belfast tied 2-2 in Coventry. Uh, the Steelers lost 1-0 to the Dundee Stars in Sheffield. And the Cardiff Devils lost 4-3 to Glasgow in Cardiff. Uh, then going on to the Sunday, the Belfast Giants pulled off a tight win against the Coventry Blaze, 2-1 in a shootout. Uh, Nottingham lost out 3-2 in Nottingham to the Guildford Flames. Dundee Stars beat the Steelers 4-3 in Dundee. And lastly, the Cardiff Devils beat the Glasgow clan 2-0 in Glasgow. Uh, straight over to you boys, what's his highlights for this week? Probably was, not the Steelers. There's no highlights. Um, jokes aside, um, we'll go Cardiff, uh, Glasgow, um, first leg. Down in, down in Cardiff. Um, Cardiff started scoring with uh, Register. And then Glasgow turned up. Three unanswered goals. Camel, Gathier and Laporte. Trevor Cox made it 3-2. And you're thinking, mm, this could be another tight one. Laporte makes it 4-2. And, and Glasgow fans are thinking, this could be a bit of a decently ticking back to Glasgow. Samford, though, pulled one back to make it 4-3. And that's where it finished. Um, great result for Glasgow. Um but as obviously already Joe's mentioned, they couldn't finish the job at home. Um, one job, Glasgow. But at least it gave the, the travelling Purple Army something to cheer for. Um, apparently they, they had a, a fair, a fairly decent turnout down in Glasgow. Um, I did like one of the videos I saw uh, as one of the guys who got off the coach first. He started playing the bagpipes as they're all coming off. And I was just like, yeah, you know, that's, a, that's decent. So different, but, you know, decent nonetheless. But, I've, got, uh, I've got strong goon vibes from that. You know, like uh, they're walking into the game against no, no, the. No, no, uh, the fans come off the bus. Mm. Um, they weren't even walking. They weren't even going in. They were just like 
hovering around as such, obviously stretching the legs. But this guy decided he's got his bagpipes. He starts racks up and plays, and I'm like, yeah, that's decent. So decent first game, but uh, as always, the Cardiff did the business, and uh, we'll not see the Glasgow clan on the ice this weekend. Yep, I'm going to go for the Saturday game for Guildford Nottingham. Finished four all. Looks like um, on the team stats wise, pretty even game. Thirty four shots to thirty six. It was penalty minutes were quite even. Ten minutes for Guildford, eight for Nottingham. And then scoring wise, Richards for Panthers gets it gets a scoring on the way. Then it's Ripley Turner gets a goal. Richards then makes it two one. But then Crowcock goes, No you're not, I'm gonna tie the game up. And then Bovan scores to take the lead into the third period for the Panthers. And then on the power play, Ian McNulty scores. Matt Myers then scores again. Well, scores for Panthers. And then Owen Griffith scores with about a minute and 40 seconds or something like that remaining to take it into a 4-4 game going into the second leg that was in Nottingham. Looks like a pretty decent game, pretty even. And then, obviously... Great result for well, great result for Guildford to take back to Nottingham to say we may not have home ice, but we'll take this. And they did. Uh, and then we've got for me, I've got the Belfast Coventry second leg game. Um, is anybody expecting a two-two end result on the Saturday in Coventry? Um, I know it certainly wasn't any of us. Uh, so that was a shocker in itself. And then I think also. We all looked at that and went, Belfast home ice advantage. They'll rip them apart in this one. And it wasn't to be that way. Uh, Belfast come out with a win, but we get a first period with no goals, no penalties. Um, the second period, we get a goal from the Belfast Giants first, 25-52. Scored Tyler Soy, assisted Lewis Hook and Jeff Baum. Uh, and then two minutes and three seconds later, the Coventry Blaze tie it up um, through Connor Chalk, assisted by Evan Bludoff. Um, and that was it for the goal scoring in regulation. Um, not many penalties, few penalties here and there over the second and third. Uh, but then it goes into overtime, no goals in overtime, and into a shootout. And it's that man again, JJ Pickenich, that scores the uh, the game-winning shootout goal. Um, so, yeah, interesting game. And, and like I say, it's certainly not one that I think any of us would have expected to be quite so close, particularly with that first result in Coventry. Would have expected Belfast to come out firing hard. So, uh, interesting result there. Looking at the stats, uh, I mean, Belfast had 39 shots on goal to Coventry's 25. Um, so, realistically, you know, it sounds like CJ Mott pulled the game out from a place that we won't mention. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely unreal. I mean, if looking at the player stats on this one, I mean, obviously, in, in terms of in regulation, um, Tyler Beskarawani save percentage of 96%. Uh, a CJ Mott save percentage of 97.44 a 97.44 save percentage for a goalie that didn't go through to the next round that's insanity um, so yeah sounds like an unreal game uh, Coventry absolutely hats off to you you were the bottom seed in that and you took the team that genuinely looked like they're going to go on for a grand slam to, to a shootout so not the result you'd have wanted but you've got to say fairness if you're a Coventry fan not what you'd have expected 
if any Coventry fans were going into that game expecting to be beating Belfast, let alone taking them to a shootout, I, I, I can't see it. No, in fairness, if you're a Coventry fan, you've got a lot to be proud of. Um, we've said many, many times, and if he comes back next year, I'm sure we'll say many, many times again, CJ Mock can do things, win games that, ha- that his team has no right to do. And with that per- save percentage... To be a shootout away, that's it's criminal. That he, that, that don't get through. Best score on his was as, as excellent. Don't get me wrong, um, but you know a lot to be proud of from a um, from a commentary f- perspective in terms of taking Belfast all the way. Um, and in fairness, you also look at the all the, the eight teams. The what the teams you look at. There's probably only two teams that you, the fan base probably not proud of or not much to be proud of and they're the two big teams that aren't going to be there this weekend say nothing Gareth um, Gareth that's definitely a Scarlet one in that isn't it you know it's been we, business when it's the full Sunday name because um, you look at Glasgow you know their fans they had the big winning Cardiff and they just couldn't do it against a good Cardiff team and there's no shame in that um, and you know taking nothing away from Guildford and Dundee respectively because both teams deserve to be in the final four um, but if you're not even a Sheffield fan and we will see more as in myself Joe and Andy for our own um, Facebook groups alone and I'm pretty certain Nottingham will be the same the fallout of of losing to Dundee the fallout that Nottingham had there's just nothing there but we all wanted parity in this league and I think last weekend it was the first sign for a long time where you had a shoot of parity across the board, where anything could happen, anything did happen. We want it. And unfortunately for the big two teams, it bites bit on the backside. But do you know what? You want parity, that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that's absolutely agenda. I mean, obviously the next thing that we've got on the agenda is the playoff quarters, and that it's exactly like you say, David. You couldn't have wanted it to be closer. And we, we sat there last week recording the podcast, giving our predictions, and, and we said, you know, we could see the Sheffield game going to Dundee. Whilst whilst we may have said we thought Sheffield were going to win, we said we could easily see it happening the other way around. We said the same for Cardiff-Glasgow. We said the same for Nottingham-Guildford. And in fairness, the only game that we didn't necessarily say it for was Belfast-Coventry. And Belfast and Coventry went to a shootout. So in fairness, like you say, out of the eight teams that were in playoffs this year, there's nothing separating them in playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. I mean, we could all want, you know, best of three, best of five, best of seven series. Um, I don't know what you think, Gref. I think the two-legged affair, it kind of has that excitement factor that as much as us four, when Andy joins us, are used to watching NHL playoffs and, you know, you watch the big games in the, the game six of them. But the second leg of, of, of a playoff tie that, you know, I mean, you've had your fair shares of, you know, heartbreaking losses and, and decent results in a two-legged affair. And that excitement just adds it just a, a different level to it all. That's the excitement, but also if you're a fan of the team that's in the second leg, you're like kind of a squeaky bum time, especially if you've got, you've got a one-goal advantage and they score quite early. You're like, oh, no, it's this it's just going to not go, go our way. I mean, unfortunately for you guys, being 3-0 up as well, that that is definitely going to sting you, yourselves. I, even as a, a, a neutral, 
In inverted commas. So you're only neutral because Fife weren't in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting for the wooden spoon game to take place. <laughs> yeah. oh, imagine so... what the bookies' odds of being that one. <laughs> we replace that instead of the, the third and fourth game after the wooden spoon. God. I'll, let you, I'll let you know Sunday afternoon. <laughs> imagine the over-under on that one. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, I... It just brings a lot to it. I mean, you've got the excitement. Ooh, we could actually do this. Then you've got the actual... Actually, no. We could get our backside handed to us. Especially if, and to quote Joe here, a a lower side team. Don't drop me in it. Don't drop me in it. Oh, what did you say, Joe? I said nothing. Innocent and so proven otherwise, mate. Goes on to Joseph. Oh, wait, it was a tweet. Let me write it to Elon Musk next. Please delete it. <laughs> so that's where the edit button comes into play. Um, but now, you know, I mean, you guys had that, not not as much for yourself, Gref, as the, the Manchester Fife tie that went back and forth. We had the Sheffield Nottingham one where, you know, Nine Days of Madness started. Um, yeah, and there's been other times that's been that, you know, uh, whole brayhead um, years ago where it's just the back and forth and you just don't expect what happens. Isn't this like the first time as well in the Elite League history that both yourself and Nottingham have not been in the playoff final weekend? It is, yes. How long have you been sitting on that one? Carry on, Gareth. I saw it on Twitter. He read that and he thought, I'm writing that down. You are. I'm you, writing that down. First thing I wrote down. Right, Gareth. You're it's the only f- thing you wrote down. Gareth, you're amongst <laughs> friends here. Let's not kid a kidder. Let's use that version. Uh, excuse me. After he actually totaled our season by saying we'd win the league, we're not amongst friends anymore. No, no, no. I'm on about me and you. I'm on about Gareth. Oh, yeah. I fear. Fair enough. <laughs> like I so, said, don't going back away. You've been holding on to that and you've been waiting to use it. I mean, we've given you enough grief. I'm straight. So there you go. Just be honest with us. When's when's been honest with you for all season when we said you've been poor. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'll take that. Storm hey, TV's hey, coming hey, after you. Yeah, I can't respond to by Storm TV. Um, by the end of the day, the comments made by individual panel members do not reflect the <laughs> the opinions of the the podcast as a whole. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, we've all won the same amount of trophies this season. Gref, when's the banner raising for Buffalo's, uh, what was it, 11th straight playoff loss? Uh, start next season. Fair play. Straight Fair loss, play. but they have to make it to have a loss. That's true. <laughs> I couldn't think of any other word. Uh, non-participation. Straight doing a Buffalo. I think that. I think that's all, actually, no, that's these connotations to that. I don't think we can be... At least we know it follows former players as well. Yeah. Can we also just be, just before we actually get back onto hockey, can we just backtrack for a second to to Greth's excited voice, which was ooh. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, cat! Didn't come into my head. It wasn't warranted to have a cat. It was just perfect on its own. I thought he'd been drinking Typhoon. Never. Get that one. He's you only get any with Typhoon. He's not that bad. Uh, I don't no. know. I know. I know what he drinks. Hell no. I think I've opened a can of worms here. We're going down a rabbit hole, boys. Let's uh, let's swiftly move on. Andy? 
Where's Andy? No, Andy? Okay. Um, no, gents, honestly, you know, going back to the hockey, we, we, like we say, we've always said we want the league to be as close as possible. In fact, we've, we've said already that this year, I think we've had the closest matchup with the teams that we have. And, and in fairness, I, I don't discount Manchester from that. I don't discount Fife from that because, in fairness, they've all competed against teams in, in games. You know, Manchester have had a bit of a shaky season, but you have pulled off some good results, and that, that can't be denied. And that's the thing, like we, like we talked about, and I, to me, it goes back to the goalie side of things. We talked already about the fact that this year's probably been the strongest in terms of netminders. And again, I don't think there's a single... In fairness, for me as a Steelers fan, actually the only two goalies I don't want, uh, only one goalie I don't want is Barry Brust. I'd actually, I'd actually off the, the latter end of the season, I would actually consider giving Rock a, a contract. I'd possibly consider it as a second import, but I'd be considering giving him a contract. But it, across the ten teams... Kevin Carr, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. Kevin Linskug, I wouldn't say no. Adam Morrison, I thought he must potentially actually had a better season when he played for five just from individual effort, but he played well this season. Best Gurawani goes without saying. CJ Mott, one of the best goalies in the league. You know, Shane Starrett, fantastic. Matt Carruth, unreal. You know, Shane Owen, yeah, he finished bottom, but one of the best goalies in the league, easily. And then obviously Matt Ginn and, and Josh Bakashu, you know, any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And, and to, to add on to what you're saying, I know that Manchester and Fife got some good results against Cardiff and, and Belfast. Um, so, yeah, yeah you, you mentioned that it's probably the strongest stock of goalies we've had in this country for a long time. And we're probably even talking the Super League years. Um, you know, the years when, when Manchester spent half a million on a goalie, allegedly. Um do you know that they and that was some great goalies at the time. The ones this year, they have been a different level. Um, you look and you look at the goal save highlights, and you're actually regularly seeing the likes of Shane Owen, Starrett, Morrison. The odd time you see Beskowarani, Karouf, Stanovic, Brust, the, the the top half of the league teams. But you actually more often see the bottom end. And this is no disrespect to them teams, but that's where they finished. But you actually saw them more often than not. And that's, you know, when normally if you go, ah, oh, it'll be the top, the goals in the top four teams that'll make the highlight reels all the time. Not this year. No way near. So I hope next year that the stock of goalies is as good, if not better. Because like I say, I, I think you can probably use that as a very good reason as to why the closeness, even though the points difference in the end was a bit, it's skewed, but the closest of games and the closest overall is as much as we've had in the Elite League. It's, all, it's also the not being able to take any game for granted. You know, How, you couldn't I, go into a game against Fife. You couldn't go into a game against Manchester. I only picked those because they're the two that didn't make the playoffs, and I'm trying to get my own back on Greff for what he said earlier about us. Um, you know, you couldn't go into those games going, that's guaranteed. We've had previous seasons where a game against Fife would pretty much be a guaranteed win. Steelers lost what? Three games in regular season to Dundee? Yeah, three all, yeah, the, the series. I'll give you the example, mate. We 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 played five at the beginning of the season. We both said, you know, it was, it was Wednesday night, and we're like, can't be bothered with this game. Oh, one of the, the best week. games. And it was actually one of the best yeah, games. It was, it was good. Top notch entertainment, and even and five played their part. It weren't like, oh, Sheffield did all the business. No, five played their part. Owen did his business. You know, it was outstanding. And, and you know, says that one game this season. Belfast come to our rink, we shut them out, 3-0. Exactly. 
let's also not forget, gents. This this has been it's been a bizarre season. You know, obviously we've, we've had COVID. You know, at one point we were actually saying, "Are we going to carry on?" You yeah. know, I know we tried to stay positive when the first few teams went, and we said we think it will. But there were times when we even we were saying, "Is this going to carry on?" You know, I think on the back of that. There's probably been more injuries this season than we've seen previously because there have been players that hadn't played for a year. You know, so we look at we look at like two of the two of the top half of the league teams. And I only say this as a Steelers fan and I make no excuses from it. Steelers lost out on Brendan Connolly very early on. Steelers lost out on a number of players for long long term. We were out we were without Dowd for ages, we were out Valley for a while. You know, there were a number of injuries across our team. Keaton Ellaby apparently has been playing the last few weeks with a broken hand. That's happened. Nottingham. Nottingham lost Kevin Deming, which is which was a huge signing for them at the start of the year. That was the signing that was the, the, the priority signing after the Elite Series. You know, and then you look at Glasgow. Glasgow don't start the season until a month after everybody else. They miss out on the cup. You know, they're squeezed in three, four games into a week. Can you imagine what this season would have been like if we didn't have as many injuries? Glasgow were off there from the start. Oh, <laughs> unreal. Off the charts. I mean, and a lot of the teams, because of the COVID situation, had to cram. They weren't just Glasgow. Other teams had to cram, like, you know, the amount of two, three, four games a week, which I appreciate in North America, they're used to that, but they obviously have the bigger squads. Different argument, of course. Yeah. But we, we, um, we don't have that luxury over here. So... We had there has to be right. I mean, Manchester have had you know they've had to mess around with their goal situation because of injuries. Yeah. Um, not to give the same. Not even the same. Um, Belfast had their injury problems, um, including Beskarawani. Yeah, yeah. So if we well we did we lost Brust for a while whether that was a good thing or a bad Brust, thing. Yeah. You know, every, everyone's had a bad batting. <laughs> in fact, Dundee, Brighton Priest stepping in. <sighs> yeah. He, he, and helped him make it make the uh, reserve list for the national side. Yeah. So I imagine if it, you had half the injuries, imagine if you had a fuller bench and not this 19 number crap. Imagine that. I mean, the season's being decent. Imagine yeah. how bad it would be. This but I, think, I said, I said just to move on, I said one of the bigger things, bigger achievements was driving away on the Monday of the playoff weekend. Everything done. All teams get through. All teams play the games. We're close to that. And given the year of COVID, given all the challenges, I stand by. That'll be the biggest achievement for a long time in British hockey. And that's well, not just the Elite League, the, the NIHL and all of them, because they've done the same. They had the similar issues. And with attendances, they'll be able to socially distance at the playoff final weekend. So... Every cloud. Um, Unless you're in the Dundee block. Yeah, true. Um, right, so they can jump on the bandwagon. They deserved it. But, the, but this is the thing, boys, and you say that they deserved it. They absolutely did. And this is the, this is the biggest thing to take out of it. And we'll, we'll, I'll swerve it back because we've kind of gone into a, a regular season review rather than a, a playoff <laughs> quarters review, which we, which we were supposed to. But it, no, it served a good purpose, and that's you know, that's that's huge. And what we say that the, the league getting closer is exactly what we want to see. Um, but looking back at the quarters, Sheffield losing out to Dundee, Nottingham losing out to Guildford. I mean, obviously Glasgow and uh, Glasgow and Coventry were the lower seeds there anyway. But Sheffield and Nottingham, I mean, the, neither team should take any real disappointment out. Obviously, you're disappointed for not getting in, 
but neither team can walk out of those games and go, we lost to Dundee, we lost to Guildford. That's not good enough. That's it. You know, you play two games against teams that we know can compete. There's no shame in the fact that, that, that the Steelers and the Panthers aren't through. Do you know the only bit that's not good enough? The reaction. There was the teams that aren't there. Yeah. So Sheffield, Nottingham. And I haven't heard the any press or any post-game interviews from the coach of Nottingham because obviously we, um, they were coaching on Sunday evening, um, which was better than watching the Dundee game. Uh, but I heard Aaron Fox's, and he was saying we didn't we weren't dialed in for the whole 60 minutes. If we go to the final four, you have to be in the, the 60 minutes. And if you can't do it, you get what you deserve. Um, we can all say, oh, how on earth are we losing to Dundee? That's our boys and girls. And you know what? Fair play to him. And I'll say this for, for Dundee. I mean, it's been a huge success for Dundee. Two two thousand two hundred, I think, was the attendance. I'll, I'll dig up the, the actual official attendance. The biggest non-Scottish derby attendance for Dundee in the Elite League era. That well, in, that, in the game on Sunday. In the game on Sunday. That place. The official that, attendance was two thousand one hundred and fifty-seven. So just shy of two two thousand yeah. two hundred. That town was buzzing for the game. They were selling from the Sunday night. By, by Monday morning, they'd already sold 25% of the uh, capacity. By Monday morning, the posters haven't even been you know, designed yet to promote it. Yeah. They was on. They wanted it. They knew they had. The, it was their best chance. And I'll say this for them. As, as much as it pains me as a chef fan to see Dundee go through at our expense, look how much it meant to them. When that empty net goes in, look at the bench, how they celebrated. And then look at the guys on the ice. They had the celebration you on the ice. Then they jumped onto the bench. They got a, that was a team that says won. That's a team that's won. And you know, I mean, we'll talk about the predictions for this weekend. But when you have a team that in a short tournament like that, as as united as they are, they're just a dangerous proposition for anybody who faces. You say about their attendance as well. I think that's the other thing. Like, we were in a game on on Saturday against Dundee, and I, you know, the, I'm not saying it was a bad attendance. You know, I, I, the the official attendance was six thousand and eighty three. That that isn't good enough for a playoff quarter final game on a Saturday night. That isn't good enough. That arena holds over nine thousand. That was also a, a part season ticket game if you carried your games over. So already you've got a guaranteed number. That that number, that 6,083, is not good enough for a team that, that realistically, what that says to me is the Steelers fan base, this is going to look quite hypocritical from what I tweeted, and I'll explain that, but that looks to me like the Steelers fan base have gone, Dundee. And that is, that's, you can't do that. You look, track back to the, the Sunday game, the double the doubleheader in Sheffield against Belfast. The Sunday game, the atmosphere was electric, exactly how the atmosphere should have been the day before, and wasn't. The atmosphere really pushed the team for a lot of it, and you could see that. The atmosphere on Saturday was dead. It was a nil-nil game. Both teams were absolutely competing all the way through the game, and the atmosphere's dead. In a playoff game. Unreal. But it just says to me that it's a team that expected to take the win. And I think that's the biggest problem. Dundee knew they weren't favourites in that game by any means. But they went into it thinking, we could do this, boys, if we, if we clamp down and we, and we push. And that's what they did. 
And you said that like Aaron Fox said in his post-game interviews, we didn't play the full 60 minutes. Tell me that that's not a team that's gone up 3-0 against Dundee and gone, right, boys, we've got this. Absolutely. And there's players on that team who we've already mentioned the, the Sheffield Nottingham tie a few years ago who should have been able to say, do you know what? Nothing's won yet. Nothing's done here, guys. We still go. We still carry on. And you're right. That does... Okay, without watching the actual game and be able to say, watch and see how it went, yeah. the perception is, that it does appear that... Like, it's in the bag now. Three goal up. Should be all right. But Dundee had other ideas and like, like we've said, you know, fair play to him. Um, and the same, you know, in fairness, Nottingham... It probably defines their season. If we're honest, I think they would, they'd have been more than happy with a four-all tie in Guildford. Go back to their place, win the game. And then they just collapse in the third. It's... You've got the two teams in Guildford and Dundee that have earned their right. So earned their place in the final four. And it's going to make for an interesting weekend in terms of the fixtures. But... For once, do you know what? The big two teams in terms of capacity and attendance don't deserve to be there. No. I mean, you know, we'll miss hearing the traditional if you all hit the Steelers chant. It'll still go. It, yeah, but it'll be like a church mouse seeing it, mate. That's because there's three people that'll be in the arena. That's not the discussion we're having. Fair point, fair point. <laughs> but no, yeah. it's... Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say I'll throw it over to Greff once. once. No, we'll, we'll drag Greff into this. Thank you. There's not really much else to say, really. You've you've said it all, pretty much. <laughs> I, like you mentioned with that, the attendance for yourselves like, in the Sheffield Arena, and it's like, oh, wow. Considering, but yeah, if that was probably yourselves being Nottingham, that would have sorted out instantly. So you're pretty much right in what you're saying. It's like people are just like, eh, Johnny Dundee. But then Dundee fans are like, yeah, this is this this is our game. Let's take it. And then obviously they did. It, for that. You mentioned the death celebration with that empty net went in. That actually, even yourselves, as fans, you like, yeah, we've just lost now. But you're thinking, you look at it and you go, you know what, fair play. You've actually all bought in. Each and every single one of you, you've bought in. Go ahead and enjoy it. So uh, we, we have also been joined by uh, by Mr. Andy Stafford now. So firstly, Andy, uh, how are we doing, mate? Not too bad, thank you. Sorry I'm late, everyone. Uh, been for a meal tonight and uh, there's a bit of a uh, mix up with uh, orders, so we're a bit slightly late. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, Mark, okay, thanks. How's everyone doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. So, All good. Um, we're just on uh, playoff quarters, mate. Just rounding up the playoff quarters. So if you've uh, if you've got anything to say on playoff quarters, uh, now is the time. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting mentioning the uh, attendance in Sheffield because as soon as I walked into that arena and and I saw so many empty seats, it felt like a is this a Wednesday game um, or is this 
on a Wednesday. Um, yeah, it's just bizarre because normally these these playoff um, the, these playoff quarters are usually packed, and it's just so weird to see it so empty because we know it's just a big game. It's the last game of the season, so you'd think you know people would turn out since it's the last one, but um, we were wrong. Um, it, very disappointing, to be honest with you. I mean, that's when you need to be allowed, especially at the playoffs. And it, again, it was like a church in there. Just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it just shows uh, credit to Dundee. Uh, I think the majority of us were pretty much fully on, on the steals making it through, but Dundee showed that, you know, don't matter what budget you have, uh, depends if you've got a chemistry, if, if you've got if you've got the belief and the willpower in, in your squad, um, then you can you can have any result you want. You can change the game to matter if you're 2-0 up or 2-0 down one period. You know, you just get together and uh, get back together and um, and, and push, and, and they did. Uh, it's a very close game on the Saturday, uh, but again, it was Dundee who, who, who played a perfect road game, you know. Uh, everyone was thinking, you know, our oh, steals. I've got home advantage with them making two trips, but Dundee actually played it a smart way. They went up on the on the Friday, uh, got a good night's sleep, and then uh, got as ready as they can be for the, the game uh, on Saturday, and, and created to them they were more prepared than Sheffield were. And there's no advantage anymore. Don't matter if, if if you're playing home the first leg or away second. There's no advantage for anyone. It depends who wants that more. And Dundee, you know, they've, they've not had the best of uh, success since they've won the Gardner Conference a couple of years ago, so they were really hungry for this. And credit to them, credit to all, all the fans that made it down as well. There was a lot of room, uh, outslanging Sheffield fans all night, which is great to see. And yeah, they were obviously rewarded the, with that. And it's nice to, again, it's just nice to see the lower budget teams are making it through, um, considering some remarks were made by. Uh, some particular individuals that you know, oh, it was all uh, made. The platform made for the big teams to go through. Well, obviously, it wasn't, was it? So, credit to them, and best of luck in, in the playoffs. It'd be amazing if they can pull uh, a result, especially against Belfast. So, yeah. You've hit two things on the head with for me. Uh, first, there's just an echo, boys. I don't know if anybody's got volume turned up. Fair enough. Yeah, happened earlier. It's all right. Just thought I'd say it. Um, you've hit two things on the head for me there. The first is, it's the last game of the season. The last game of the season. We didn't have hockey to go and actually watch in person last year. And it's the last game of the season, and you can't fill out your arena. In a place like Sheffield, and I, you know, I'm not saying this is any, any kind of, I don't know, superiority thing. But I'd be expecting Sheffield to at least nearly sell that arena out. I'd be expecting at least 8,000 in that arena, 9,000. And, you know, it makes all the difference. And like Andy, like you say, they, they played the perfect game. They came down on the Friday night. Perfect. You know, it instantly takes the advantage that we get out of playing the first leg at home. I'll throw it over just in terms of different teams. And I appreciate, and I apologise to anybody listening, I appreciate it's been, we've been more Sheffield-based, but obviously there were three of us that watched at least one of the games. So it's a bit easier for us to talk about. Cardiff-Glasgow. Glasgow travelled down on the Friday night. And by all accounts from what I've heard, were given ice time on the Saturday morning. 
Yeah. What what do we make of that? Because from a playoff perspective, we've no obligation on the home team to give ice time because it's the away team's prerogative to travel down the day before. What do we what? make of that? Because I, I think that's a bit bizarre. It's bizarre from what we're used to, but it's proper preparation. It's what you have in North America, and if that's the one trait that I'd love to bring over here, you know, I'd love to see us travel the night before if we play away on the Saturday. I'd love us, and that's every team. I want teams to prepare a bit better, not just rock upon a coach, go to the game, come back. Um, I, I fully agree with that completely. Uh, it's that bizarre necessarily... in terms of what we're used to, and you kind of go, well, would you? But I, I just think it because you know, you look at Cardiff; they have gone to Belfast numerous times and received that level of courtesy in terms of a morning skate and been able to travel over to that before they did the Champions Cup final. Uh, yeah. they, so the same. So for for a Cardiff perspective, I would expect them to just to be kind of repaying that kind of around the league faith type thing. Um, I want to see teams do that, even if it's a league game. You know, yeah, that's it. Sounds get the rail in Manchester on the Friday. We'll play them Saturday. Have a skate Saturday, then play. I, I agree with the travelling down. The part for me is if I'm and this is going to make me sound like a dick, but if I'm Cardiff, I'm not giving them ice time. Oh, absolutely. In that context, you have to be right. In the kind of if you want the advantage, yeah, screw them. But I think the the mindset from Cardiff would be, well, we've had that courtesy given to us. It would be very bad for us to not give it back. And I wouldn't be surprised if Todd Kelman goes, this could bat us on the backside when it comes to the board meetings come June, July. And I want Dundee support or Glasgow support or any other team support. And I've pulled that stunt off. I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the back of his mind going, do I want to give us advantage? No, no, let's just play it straight. Maybe Malcolm threatened to kick a dog or something. If they didn't, ask, didn't give him the ice time. There's always that. True. Every every possibility. I mean, it's fair play to them to give them ice time in the morning, but it's a joke you wouldn't expect teams to because you think, yeah, we can get the air advantage here, but it's good, good to show courtesy there. Yeah, you can have the ice time for a little bit. I wonder how they actually left the ice, though. You put like little divots in it or something, and then obviously covered it up. It was their time to play. Who knows what tricks they could have played to actually get them off the high horse or whatever. That sounds like someone who's done that before. The tricks of your trade is just come out there for a little second there, Gareth Dutton. I have not done it myself, but I remember back yeah. in the back in the <laughs> oh, back in the Super League days. I remember the arena used to, if the away team was like, can we have the heating turned up, they'd turn it down. Or if it was, can we have heat, the shower's hot, they'd put cold water in. Just make it cold. So I've let, I've heard from the best. It's also twice that Dave's referred to you as Gareth now. It's fine. He understands the fine line he's he's on after last week. He's on thin ice. No pun yeah. intended. Unlike Star Wars Sheffield. I just couldn't help himself to get us in there, though, could he? At least we made playoffs, mate. Still won the exact same as us. Actually, I think you'll find we won the Aladdin Cup, so... Uh... Unless you just say Bradford Brewery Cup's going to be more... 
in fairness, half our fans would rather win that than play Europe, so yeah, might as well. Yeah, you're not wrong. Any, anything else on this one, gents? Are we good to move forward? Um, yeah, I was going to point. It's a very interesting point about um, you know having a practice before for the game for both teams. Um, something I never really thought of before, but actually sounds like a really good idea. Uh, as mentioned, they do do it in North America when uh, teams travel. So yeah, I think it's something that could, should be looked at. It's a good idea, and why not? I know they're doing the CHL as well. That they go for, they have the morning or the evening and morning skate before a game. Uh, I appreciate, like I said, Manchester could travel over, but I appreciate like Sheffield don't even probably have a skate and then go across. Um, but in terms of teams, if you're travelling like let's say you're going to Guildford and it's your the first, it's your first away game, or you're going to Scotland, I I just think that's it should be a, a forward move from the league to encourage teams to do that. I, I think it should be a league-mandated thing, and I think it should be a thing for playoffs in future where the away team travels down on the Friday. But also stop this rubbish of teams choosing first leg over second leg and then the fans complaining about it on Twitter for three days. But the biggest thing for me is, you know, every single team wants to make that playoff finals weekend. There's no obligation on the home team to give that ice time currently. And I just, I, honestly, if I was a Cardiff fan, I'd be like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because the other thing is, they've chosen the first they've chosen the first leg for the same reasons that Sheffield chose the first leg, which was to go, we're going to have one day's travel, not two. If they want to travel down on the Friday, fair enough. You give them the pre-game skate the day before, or, or the day of the game, you just, you're instantly closing that advantage. So whilst it's not league mandated, I just I just don't understand it at all. I just I, I get I get it from the Todd Kelman side of things and thinking about it from a league perspective as well. But if I'm a Cardiff fan, I'm going, what are we doing? No, I, when, I, when, as you said it like that in that context, you're absolutely right. It does kind of go, oh, we've picked this and that, and then you've done that. But yeah, it's uh, in that context, it is a strange yeah. move, um, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a step forward for the league, just a strange step for Cardiff. I just, I just couldn't get my head around it. I saw it, and I was like, what is going on? Uh, any, anything else on this, boys, or do we want to move to the next thing? We're sticking kind of with playoff quarters, but we've just kind of got a sub a subheading with it, which came up following the uh, the Belfast Coventry game, which was the, the conclusion of the game in a shootout. Obviously, um, in terms of the playoff finals, we've now moved to uh, continuous overtime or the playoff final uh, we've moved to continuous overtime uh, and I know there's been some complaints and I think Danny Stewart was one of the ones that complained that it shouldn't be done in a shootout what what do we make of it? I'm going to throw it straight out to you guys before I give my opinion but what, what do we make of that do we think that it should be continuous overtime straight away do we think that currently let, let's be honest we're talking from a realistic perspective as well we're not talking from an ideal world perspective because that let's you know it's one thing for us to say we'd like for it to be able to be continuous over time. We'd like for it to be able to be a seven-game series, whatever. Do you know, we can we could talk about that for days. The thing is, right now, particularly for a coach to complain about that, we've got to look at the reality of it actually happening. So, what what do we make of that? I think, in, in respect of how you're saying the reality of it, I think that answers its own question. Um, and yeah, you you as a team, you'd hope that you'd be able to find and facilitate ways of making it more playable. But given that, and even though Belfast are the only ones that the arena own the team, so there's kind of a little bit of, 
sort of link there. No other team actually owns their venue, so they have to rent, and they rent by the hour, or some places it's a, it's a one-off payment, you have the ice for how much you need. And you're not going to be able to go, oh, can we just make sure that we can have it so in case we need it for five hours for numerous of time. It, you, you have to do and work within the, the parameters that you've got. And that means, unfortunately, in the, in the, in the quarterfinal stage, it's a shootout. It's not, like I say, it's not the ideal world, but it's what you have to work with. Now, and you're right, we could talk about what we'd love. We could, you know, we could, do, a, you could do an episode just that alone. But the sad, you know, the fact of the matter is, you've got you're renting from someone who you potentially, you know, they're competing with a pop act who's on tour, or especially with a, a close, um, the, the close timescales of when you book in, unless you book both days in advance and then you go which one you have, um, you have to do, you have to, you know, use what you've got. And in this country, we don't own our venues, so unfortunately. You have to have a shootout to determine if, if you go into overtime. It's it's sad, but that's you know that's the reality of it of the situation. Now next week or this weekend, sorry, because it is just um, the playoffs that's been played there. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think there's any rec teams. I think if they are, they'll be on the other pad. You have that facility to do that. You don't in the quarters. You spotted right there. As yeah, like we mentioned, ideal world would love it. Maybe we'd love like a best of three or best of five, whatever, but you've got to think logically then. It's like the only one that can possibly do it is Belfast. Everyone else has to put in the dates of when can we have the ice time then for this amount of hours? Especially if like other arena teams like yourselves and Nottingham say they go, yeah, we want this. For this amount of hours, have continuous OT, and it's like, but then tomorrow there's a a, a pop concert on or a, a boxing match or something like that at the arena. I don't think the arenas themselves are going to say, right, well, we'll just keep our staff here all work for like what twelve out twelve eighteen hours, because then they've got to get everything ready. For the event the next day, like no, it's not going to happen. It's not good, a good business model for the arena or the people who own the buildings. It's harsh, I'd say, to go out on a penalty shootout, especially when you fought so well. But it's what it is. Unfortunately, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, you could say. Yeah, again, uh, two teams possibly could do that. Uh, from our Sheffield point of perspective, uh, many times we've seen them, as soon as the game's finished, the curtain's been raised and the rigging's already been uh, been started to put up for the concert the next next day. Um, the only way I could see that happening, uh, having continuous overtime instead of a shootout, is if they make it a league rule, uh, through the playoff quarters or semi-finals to have it as a continuous overtime instead of a shootout. So if made it a league rule, uh, then maybe the owners of the arenas can look at that and say, okay, well, we've got a concert on um, you know, the night after and we've got to do some work to get things ready. But if we can make face-off 
a bit earlier, maybe we could make this happen. Uh, and, and that's just an example of how you could make things like that work. I, I mean, shootouts, like everyone said, is the most unfairest way to go out in any in any knockout competition. So it is something, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a continuous authority instead of that. And again, just if you made it a league rule for it to be continuous over time, maybe they could find a way around it. Like, like I said, uh, make face off an hour or two earlier. Um, realistically, though, uh, unless that happens, I can't see any, any other way. Um, it's, it's just very difficult for a lot of the teams that don't own their rinks and have got to compete with other things as well, which obviously um, I'm not going to have as much priority as as these concerts and events. So it is unfortunate, but it's just how it is at the minute, unless Lee can make it some way where it's a written rule where you know they have to have a bit extra time to a game in these situations. I fully agree with that. I mean, I think the, the problem for me at the moment is I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's feasible as a league rule either. And bear, bear in mind as well, currently this year we, we've dropped the we've dropped the roster size to 19. We talked many a time about the fact of how stupid that is. But we've dropped the roster size to 19 because we wanted to save well, the, well, the theory behind it or the the rationale that was given was to just to save money. You know, the theory behind it was we're not paying an extra three players. Be that Brits, I get that, but we're not paying an extra three players. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got coaches calling out the fact that we've got a shootout when actually the only reality of it being possible, like you say, Andy, the only reality of that being possible is for the four teams that are hosting the games on the Sunday night to pay for extra rink time just in case. Which realistically, was, particularly this season, was never going to happen because we're already looking at ways to save on cost. So particularly this year, uh, it was just not feasible. But then, you know, if it's feasible in future for other, for teams to be able to do that, fantastic. But I just I just don't think we're at that stage yet. And I agree, shootouts are a horrendous way to go out. But let's also not forget the quarterfinals are over two legs. The playoff final is a one game, sixty minutes. I appreciate that's the same for the semis, but that would be very difficult to do continuous overtime with two games straight after each other. The playoff final is one game, 60 minutes, winner takes all. So for that to be continuous overtime, I actually can't see any other scenario where that should be played. That should never, ever be decided on a shootout. And the fact that we're playing that continuous overtime, spot on. The quarterfinals are played over 120 minutes. And over 120 minutes, in fact, 125 minutes, including overtime, Belfast Coventry were even pegging. It was 3-3. There was one period in that game on Sunday... With, with goals. And the goals were scored two minutes and three seconds apart. So actually, I think the other side of me kind of wants to say, that's fine. You're going out on an interview and saying that, and I appreciate you've pushed the top seed, the league winners, the Challenge Cup winners, all that shit, bang. You've pushed them to overtime and shootout, and I appreciate that it must be a really bitter feeling to, to get to that point to then fall short. But at the same time, you had 120 minutes. You know, 125 to score one more goal. So I don't, I don't know. The other side of me is kind of like, I get it and I agree. And if continuous overtime is feasible, crack on. This, to me, sounds like a complaint from a coach that really, really thought we've got Belfast here. And then they came out short. And like we said, there's no shame in it for Coventry. If anything, Coventry should be seriously proud of the effort that their team put in over two legs against the top-seeded team. Seriously. 
But I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. Because the other thing is as well, like we say, we're talking logistics. This isn't, it's not a quick decision. It's not a snap decision for the league. And like we say, we're talking reality. We're not talking ideal. Because if we're talking ideal, we'd be talking, we'd want a seven-game series for each leg. You know, we'd be talking, actually, if we were talking grand reality, we'd all be saying we want the playoffs to be the be-all and end-all. We don't want it to be the league. We want the playoffs to be the be-all and end-all. So there's a number of things, if we start talking about playoffs and what we'd like, that just aren't feasible right now. For a coach to go and call out the league on the fact that it's decided on a shootout, that doesn't sit right for me, because that just sounds to me like he's got a bit of sour grapes. If Belfast lost that game in a shootout, Coventry would have benefited. And actually, there is some skill that goes into a shootout. Yes, it's not the same as a game, but there is some skill that goes into a shootout. CJ Mott had a 97% save percentage in that game on Sunday. So Belfast had to do something serious to put to put shots past him. You know, Coventry had to pull something out of the bag to score and pass Beskar Awani. So I actually don't always follow the logic that a shootout isn't the best way to win because it's not as much skill. There's still skill involved. It's different, but there's still skill involved. You know, what happens if that game goes to overtime and the goal in overtime is a breakaway goal? Basically pulling out the same kind of, same kind of skills that you're pulling out in a shootout. I say I, I fully fully agree, and in, in reality, it's not feasible right now. In in an ideal world, we'd be playing a seven game series where every game goes to a continuous overtime. It's not going to happen right now, and I, that's the biggest thing for me is I just don't like the fact that Danny Stewart's called out on it. You know, take the fact that your team's lost. You were the eighth seeded team. You played the first seeded team. You took them to a shootout. Lose that game with a smile on your face and go, right, we're disappointed. We really thought we'd got them. But actually, wow. You know, no one would have put money on us doing that. See, so, yeah, when you look at, well, take a few example of the NHL, a lot of the fans that I see online from over, over in the States, even in the regular season, they don't want a shootout. They want continuous three-on-three. Through a regular season, it's like, can you really do that through 82 games? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, logical. Doesn't come to mind for some people. We've got anything else on shootouts, boys, or, or no? Sound. So we'll move on to the playoff finals weekend. Or we won't move on to the playoff finals weekend, as our, as our teams have not. Um, Obviously, that we've just said, we'll summarise it. Uh, Guildford, Dundee, Belfast and Cardiff, your four teams going through to the player finals weekend. Uh, that gives you the matchup of Belfast versus Dundee and Guildford versus Cardiff. We're not going to go with predictions, gents. We'll save that until the end. Um, more so just, I don't know, a prelude to the, uh, to, the, to the weekend as a whole. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Two really good games, both on Premier Sports. Like it's three o'clock for the Belfast Dundee game, and then seven o'clock for Cardiff Guildford. Which is weird times for recent years of the playoffs to have your semi-final times at three and seven. I mean, it's more time for people to go in bunkers. Other establishments that are available, but from an MSA point of view, bunkers. Team bunkers. Correct. Personally, I think it's going to be be two really good games to watch. 
maybe a pretty silent crowd, but it's going to be two really good games. I'm looking forward to actually just watching it on Premier. Yeah, I think you're right there, Griff. I think you're going to have two close games. I think you've got with Belfast and Dundee, you've you've kind of got similar teams. Uh, they both like to play physical. They've both got speed. Now, yeah, Belfast have that incredible top line. But Dundee have a couple of guys who are scoring well and scoring for fun uh, at the moment, Benson and Crumbs. Anything can happen with that game. And I think if Adam Keith wanted any you know, kind of motivation, look at the quarterfinal and go, do we want to follow Sheffield's suit? And show too much respect to Dundee. I can't imagine that happening. I can't imagine Adam Keith allowing that to happen. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a, an interesting game from that side, sort of the the physicality side of things. And then you go to the Cardiff Guildford game, which I think is the same, but we're from the skill and the speed set. And you know, Karouf uh, links as a battle in the pipes. That is fascinating for a semi final. I there's a lot of matchups and you kind of go, well they win that one, but they win that one. Then they go and balance each other out, and that's the same on both both games. I I, I think Saturday is going to be. I'm just trying to think of a closer Saturday of the playoff weekend. I, I genuinely think this could be the closest one. As in, you can't pick anything. So every year you get like a close one and then a bit of a blowout or an easy win or something like that. Um, I don't think you're going to get that this year. I mean, watch it prove wrong in both games being absolute blocks. Um, but I, I just, I can't see. I think they're going to be really close this year. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and Joan, for those who for, who are either team bunkers or team legends or team other establishments, I'm, I'm sure that they'll have a great weekend. Um, but having the playoff weekend back. But uh, yeah. There's a lot of fascinating matchups on these ties that have produced, and yeah, bring it on. It's going to be great for the uh, four five pounds in attendance, but um, yeah, just really looking forward to it um, because it seems that we didn't, you know, think we'd make it as far uh, as as a semi. So credit to those teams to make it there. I mean, first time for a lot of fans going down to see them actually there um, and you know it's going to be a massive whole new experience for them and one I should one I should really uh, cherish and um, not take for granted because it's a great weekend uh, whether your teams are or not obviously we mean teams are waiting teams not there uh, there's not as much anxiety um, <laughs> around yourself uh, but when your team is there you know it is a sense of accomplishment you know what we made it this far Um and especially for the lower budget teams, like I said before, uh, just credits them for making it as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long time uh, since I thought, you know, we could actually see some upsets here uh, in in the semis. And I think it's definitely one year where we could see more, um, more surprises in store. Um, and yeah, it, it, really, it really is anyone's game this year. I mean, Belfast haven't, got this you now just because they've, they've won two out of three trophies so far it's not entirely uh, theirs because like Dundee approved Sheffield 
anyone can win it on, a, on any given night. Depends which team turns up. And if, if Dundee can uh, shut down that first line, if, if, if they can get uh, Combs and Benson thrown on, on all cylinders and uh, get someone in front of net, challenge Besco, they've got a very good chance. Uh, and so has Guildford. You know, they've, they've got some really good offensive players in uh, Cable, and Watson has been definitely one to watch for me from Guildford. So if if, if they can have literally their game of their lives, especially Linskoog, uh, hopefully he saved himself for for the, the playoffs as well. Um, then we've got a cracker on our hands, really. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a shame in a way that uh, we're not going down because you know to see potential upsets happen or. In any given way, I think they'll be great games to watch. But yeah, it's, it's just nice to have these teams that won't normally make it have it and, uh, and just enjoy it because it is a great weekend. And uh, obviously, best luck to your teams. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be great, great games. Look, gents, we, we look at the, we look at the league table. We look at the points difference from the top three. <sighs> Every part of you would say Belfast and Cardiff in the final. And every part of you would say Belfast will beat Dundee by a considerable margin and Cardiff will beat Guildford by a considerable margin. But the thing is, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, that ain't going to happen. And Dave, like you say, we, may, we all may be made to look stupid over the weekend. Either it all may happen. But that's the, wonder, that's, the, that's the great thing about playoffs. Those four teams are going to turn up and play 60 minutes of hockey on Saturday. Dundee have beat every team in the league this year. Yeah? Guildford have been outstanding towards the, the latter end of the season and obviously did the job against, against Nottingham. So there's no reason to, to discount them from the games. And that's exactly what we wanted in the league. And in fairness, from a league perspective, it's brilliant that Nottingham and Sheffield haven't made it to the playoffs. Because we're seeing that close down of the league. We talked about that earlier. But... It's going to be a great finals weekend. It's going to be closer than we expect it to be. Well, you know, we all, we've all said that. Let, let's see what happens. And, and there's no reason to think that we couldn't see Dundee or Guildford in that final. Imagine a Dundee-Guildford playoff final. Unreal. But it, it's, it's not un- unbelievable. It's not implausible. It, it's, it's definitely on the cards. And that, that's the biggest thing. And like we say, Dundee have got players that are scoring for fun at the moment. Belfast, we know they've got that top line, absolutely killer. Guildford, Andy, like you said, they, they've got players to watch, absolutely. Cardiff, we know what they could do. Matt Carew between the pipes, yes, he might be leaving at the end of the year, but he still wants to win silverware before he does. Do you know, every single team has got a lot of threat on that roster. And I'll tell you what, if Dave, you said that the, uh, the Belfast-Dundee matchup is, is two similar teams in terms of they like to play physical. There's one player on that Dundee roster who was going to play a much bigger part of that game than anybody, anybody would have believed at the start of the year. And that's Kyle Haas. Yes, he might be a bit of a goon if we want to use that word. Yes, he might take a few more penalties than he should do. That guy energises that team. That guy energises that team. And what Dundee's priority has to be over that weekend is, A, take Belfast off the game as quickly as possible. Kyle Haas is the perfect player to do that. The other side of it, not so much Kyle Haas's wheelhouse, is to get on that scoreboard early and get a lead early. They can do that. There's no reason they can't win that game. And that's what it's about. We saw 
the, the intensity really step up in the Sheffield-Dundee game. And I'm only saying that because I know the three of us were there, and that's the only game that, that between the four of us, I believe, we would have watched. Gref, I don't know if you watched any on Premier over that weekend. But the level of intensity was much higher than, than any. He's nodding his head, so he's definitely watched one or two. But the level of intensity, too, the level of intensity in, in that game was, was higher than, than the majority of the games that we've seen. And that's what playoff hockey's about. And after a couple of years of not having it, I was sitting there going, God, I forgot how much I, I love playoff hockey. The big hits, yeah, all right, you can argue the referees didn't call as much. That's playoffs. And if you're going into a playoff game expecting everything to be called like you've seen in the regular season, you don't know what playoffs are. So it's a completely different ball game. It's a completely different game. And there's no reason why any of those four teams could come out of it getting into the final. And again... If Belfast lose to Dundee, there's no shame there. If Cardiff lose to Guildford, there's no shame there. Just like there's been no shame for Sheffield and Nottingham getting knocked out by the lower-seeded teams. Be very careful how I phrase that so I don't annoy Dundee fans. You know, that, that's what playoffs is about. And in fairness, this 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 is really, really summarised how close this season's been. Like we say, Dave, you said it earlier, it's not in terms of the points. Yeah, okay, there was a bit of a points difference. But any team can go and win on any given night. And right now, those four teams need one win in 60 minutes. And the final, God knows what'll happen. Um, anything else on player finals weekend, gents, before... Obviously, what we'll do, we'll do the predictions later on. So we'll do the predictions for the semi-final and then we'll do predictions for who we think is going to win. Have we got anything else other than that on player finals? I don't think it's best to go into attendances. The only thing we can really say is there's, there's been more graphics come out in terms of the seat availability still. It's embarrassing as to how many seats are still available in that playoff. I think that dog's been kicked a fair bit, so we'll leave that with It has, me. yeah. That was my thinking. And Malcolm Cameron wasn't involved in that. Let me just stress that straight away. sister's been kissed. Can't forget that one. I'm going to bring that one in. I was that that. Oof. Yeah, that trust was a weird one. Trust you, Andy. We're having a very civilized oh, podcast until you came. <laughs> the only other thing you could probably say would be, <laughs> "What was that laugh?" I have... <laughs> I have no idea. You should do. You did it. So the only other thing I could probably say would be. For the people that go in there, have fun, drink responsibly. That means no spillages. Stay hydrated. Exactly. Balanced diet, drink in both hands. Guinness clear. Yeah, don't don't drink the Guinness. Don't drink the clear Guinness. And obviously put a bet on for the third and fourth game. Oh, absolutely. Capitalise on that third v fourth game. Council would have been uh, prepped and ready for it. All being well, they're suspending money for, for Finland. Put, put a Euro sticky on, mate. It's 133 million tomorrow, so. Yeah, so it'd be done. <laughs> Good, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> Anything else on playoffs, Sid? No, so ironically, we're going to go from playoffs to a team not in playoffs because uh, we're talking about Ryan Finity and his. Stepping down from the coaching role for the Manchester Storm. Um, it's now been confirmed that Finity will step down as coach and will only take on the GM role next year. Uh, I'll throw it straight out to you, boys. What do we think? I think it was 
are you going to do good things for us going forward? I think you mentioned before it makes us, before we went on air, started recording, makes us possibly a stronger team because obviously he recruits very well. It's just the coaching part towards the latter end. Some of the times it doesn't go well. From a Storm fan point of view, from what I've seen over this season, it did look like he was going to step down through what you could see on the bench. He wasn't the person that's getting as aggravated at the officials as much as he used to, or shouting at fans as such. Well, not fans, obviously, but to players. It could be shouting at fans, but you never know. They were Freudian slip there, Griff. You, uh, you're hating on some of your fans right now. I mean, some of them are idiots, but doesn't every fan base have that? I mean, we can definitely confirm that. I was in the fifth on that one. I think personally, that's gonna gonna be good for us going forward. I'm looking forward to the new season now. See who we actually get behind the bench without the the rumor mills that are already going on. Looking forward to it. Paul Thompson. Someone's already mentioned that in the Storm Forum. Why does that not surprise me? I'd like to see Paul Thompson at Cardiff. Andy, Andy looked like he'd just seen a ghost then. He did, yeah. Um, I, I'll disclose this. I, I have a lot of time for Ryan as an individual. Years ago, did a, a fair bit for, for my family years ago. Um, so I've always been wanting to just keep eye on how he's done and I'd like to see him succeed. Not against as well when he left Sheffield, but I've always wanted to see him do well. And, and like Joe said, like you said, he's always recruited good players. When he coached in Sheffield, he recruited some very good resumes. Um, but we all know what happened afterwards. So I think this benefits Ryan. I genuinely do. He can. He now doesn't have the stress of having to go through the drills, go through the emotions. He can do the off-ice side of things. I think that benefits him. I think that suits him more. You know, fair play to him. He's, he's had a go. He's got his badges. He's he's, he's coached. Um, you know, he's put his head above the parapet in that respect. And he's, you know, if we're honest, he's failed. He's not been able to. You know, he had we had one good chance of winning the title with Glasgow, Brayhead as it were at the time. You know, but he's, he's not been the success. But I think this is this is his gig. I think this is where you'll see a better side, a more productive side of Ryan Finity. Non, the non-hockey player. Uh, so, yeah, Manchester's just become a little bit of a dangerous team. They could even make the postseason. That's how dangerous it could be. They may make it on the last day of the season. No. I'm going to... I've said it. It's there. They could make it now. Griff, when you don't remember this, because this is what you did to us earlier on in the season, saying that we win the league. It's so. fine. <laughs> Karma. Karma, Gareth. Karma. What also helps is going to help is. Being at home with his, his two children. Yeah. Gonna have more time for that. That's gonna be even better for him and for his wife. It's gonna be brilliant. It just ticks a lot more boxes for him, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got to agree. I've, I think the both sides will benefit both 100%. Uh, 
Brian's done a lot of great things in bringing players in uh, who have been turned out to be really good. Even players that haven't been, you know, in the best of leagues, he's he's managed to um, uh, basically bring them all together and, and, and find a lot of chemistry. Uh, but for me, in terms of actual coaching, I, I don't think that's exactly his sort of forte. Um, so a GM role, I can definitely see him succeeding in this. Uh, for me, I would have always seen him as, as more as more of that role, the GM role, than a coaching. So, yeah, I, I couldn't see him doing really good things. I mean, like I mentioned before, his, his recruitment is fantastic. It's just that I think uh, the team, just Manchester, just need a bit of a different view in terms of coaching. Uh, someone with, someone with, with some different ideas, um, who's you know, had a bit more experience in, in, in higher leagues, maybe. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a great move for both teams. I can see Manchester already strengthening with a new face, uh, take of the coaching. And Ryan having that position as GM, yeah, I think, I think that'd be a solid sort of structure. Uh, and they could actually sort of build around that a bit more. Um, you know, there's not just one person in, in one specific role, you've got two people who are very capable of bringing one side and then another person being the coach and bringing the other side, which is the on ice sort of stuff. So having both of those guys together, whoever the new coach will be, I think, I think this will work out fantastic for them. Greff, you can definitely vouch for this. I've been saying for years that Manchester needed to put Finney in a GM role and not have him as a coach. Look at some of the players that he, he recruited for Sheffield when he when he coached them. Tyler Michelle, Maxime Lacroix, Simon Ferguson, players that did great things in the Steelers jersey. But the team could never push to the title that on paper they should have challenged for. And there's only one person you can look at for that, and that's the coach. Dave, like you said, in, in Braid at the time, that league was made for Brayhead to win a title when we had the conferences. You know, and it's nothing against Ryan. I, you know, I think I, I don't think there's a Steelers fan alive that doesn't have respect for Ryan Finity for what he did for the club when he was wearing the jersey. You know, take the coaching side out. What he did for the club when he was wearing the jersey. No one, no one has a... I don't have a bad word to say about him. But... He's just not the best coach. And, and there's every chance that that might be down to his style. Look at his playing style. It's not really a part for that play anymore. The game's changed. So that might even just be because Ryan's, Ryan's style is more of an old school game in what is now a new school game. I don't know what reason it is. It might be that. It might just be. It might just be that he can't get the guys to play on certain nights. Look at the start of the year, Griff. We were talking about this at the start of the year. You guys would have like a perfect first half of the game. You'd be you you'd be pushing for the, the the games. You'd be pushing for the result, and then all of a sudden it'd go down. And half the time, the turning point of that game was he'd request a stupid video review, which never was going to go out in his favour. And he'd kick off at the, at the refs. And all of a sudden, his head had gone. You know, and the coach's head's gone. What chance have you got in getting back into a game? 
you know, one player on a 19-man roster, fair enough, his head goes, there's 18 more players on the team. The coach, that's his job. His job is to make sure that 19 players on the bench are playing to their best. And if his head's not in the game because he's too busy shouting at the referees and thinking we should have had a goal, that then he probably watches back afterwards and goes, oh, yeah, no, actually, we shouldn't. You know, there's a number of factors to it. And we've been saying for ages, obviously, in, in terms of his or part ownership of the club, it was always one day it was like, eh, is that the best move for Manchester? Is he going to keep himself in that coaching role? And he's, to my, in my opinion, he's kept himself in that coaching role too long. Because again, Manchester had a team on paper that could have contended a lot more than they did this year. So this is a great move for Manchester. It's a great move for the league in that obviously we're talking about that, that, that parity between the teams. You know, Manchester start moving up the table. Manchester start being more of a threat. You know, great move for the league. So actually, this is a great move for the league as well. But like you say, this is, this is dangerous. Manchester could be a dangerous team this year, depending on who they get on the bench. And that's, the, the, any way you slice that, that has to be a good thing. It really does. And as much as we like taking the mick out of Gref and saying never make postseason, it has to be a good thing if Manchester make postseason next year. So I, th- I think it's a good move for them. I think it's the best move, and I think it's a move they should have made two years ago at least. But it's done. The next question is who they're going to have on the bench, because you look at the other ways that GMs work, GMs and coaches work, there has to be a good relationship between them. There's no good if Finner recruits a team that the coach doesn't want. And I- I'll say that from, like, well, you look at the NHL. The NHL have obviously the, the-, the league that have got GM coach that will or watch you know from a, as a Pens fan there isn't a, a player that's getting signed for the Penguins that hasn't gone through Mike Sullivan as coach first so there has to be that relationship between Finity and whoever the new coach is the Elite Series we were all joking there were a million and one gifts and tweets about Guy Doucette being on the phone but Guy Doucette was on the phone to Tim Wallace figuring out what players they wanted whether you think that was dramatised or not they still have to have that. They still have to have that relationship because at the end of the day, whoever they have as coach has to coach the players being signed. So that's the next big thing for them. So we might see a new face. Whoever it is, they have to be able to work with him. And that, that, that's a big question. Take him. Tom Barrasso. Tom Barrasso. I, honestly, I, I said this when Tom Barrasso came to Sheffield. The perfect duo would have been Ryan Finney recruiting a team, Tom Barrasso coaching, because Barrasso didn't want to recruit because he was a coach, and that's not what they do in the top leagues. But he was a good coach. Get Finney GM. Who knows? Um, away from the Manchester implications, boys, because you know, like I say, it, it's the setup they have in the NHL. GM does the recruitment, coaching does coach does the coaching. This is the second team in the league now that's got a GM and a coach to fit those two roles. If you look on paper, there's probably a couple. I think we've got a GM technically on paper, but we know that Fox does the recruitment and the coaching. Is this a big step forward for the league in terms of making that step towards having more structure around the recruitment? Because, you know, Nottingham have been doing it for the last few years. And I said when Nottingham did it, I think we're going to start to see more teams do it. And obviously we've had a few years. It's been a bit weird. We've had the Elite Series. We had an incomplete season. COVID's nicely mashed all that up. Is this a sign that we're going to start seeing it more? 
Not sure. Um, Sheffield, you've got the same man that does both jobs. Yeah. Um, most clubs, it's the same man that does both jobs. Um, would you have a GM? And as, as I'll throw this out to you, and I'll throw it to Griffin first off. If Ryan wasn't part owner of the club, do you honestly think your your team would be able to afford a paid role general manager and a paid role coach? And I'm not saying this is a negative context, but would if he wasn't a part owner of the club, do you reckon you would be able to afford both? I don't think so, no. So I, I think there's only a couple of clubs that can realistically do that. I'd like to see I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um and I'm all for it because I think you know you have that wealth of experience and it kind of expands the pool of people. You're not just seeing the same faces being rehashed all the time. I just can't see it happening. You know, maybe another three or four years, maybe. Oh yeah, it's got to be a transition. It's, I don't think there's any sense that it's going to happen in oh, the next no, year. No, 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 you were saying it was going to be yeah. like overnight. I, I, I think it's a, a long-term thing that you see because you know, is Fife really going to do that? No. Unless Todd Dutton decides to move on and go away from being the coach, he may be the next one that becomes a general manager and he lives there. So it's not like it's, you know, that could, you know, be an option for, for five. Dundee, Pasture is both GM and coach, similar with Fox. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll see it. Maybe, I'd say three, four, maybe even longer than that, maybe five, ten years where you may see actual structure of, this club, that's his general manager. That's the club's coach. I, I do think it may be a while. Um, we got to see. I don't think we're close to seeing that even start to change yet. I think this is... A, like I said, I'm, I'm happy. And I think this is the best thing for Ryan. But I think this is a, a change in necessity to give Manchester yeah. a good chance of doing the unthinkable and making the postseason. It's also a good business model for the, the team as well. He doesn't want to lose money going forward. It's going to be like, yeah, let's. I've got to do something. It's smart. Oh, 100%, mate. And if and if you get the results started, when you, you, you guys start getting a 17, 1800 average attendance, that's now another franchise. Like Joe said earlier on, it's another franchise that's stable. And then it becomes a franchise that actually starts to progress. And that's, you know, you want to see, ideally you want to see every franchise do that. You want to see, you know, I mean, we talk about the Dundee success of their attendance of the, the Perth game. But Dundee have actually done a fair bit of work during the, the, the pandemic with their business structure. You want to see clubs do that. You want to see clubs change and, and be more proactive. We all take the mick about Sheffield in terms of what they push in terms of raffles, 50-50s, um, Shell off the back, the shop being open 24-7. And we take the mick out of it, but the, Sheffield having the tools to do that allows Sheffield to be a stable and a, you know, quite a decent, healthy franchise. Belfast the same. Not in the, in the context of how they push stuff, but it's all well good having Sheffield and Belfast have that safety. You need the likes of Manchester and the other teams to have the same thing. So I'm, I'm with you, mate. I think in that context, I think it's great business sense and I think it will benefit in more areas than just your nice stuff. Yeah, it, I can see it being a while away yet for the majority of teams to doing that. 
I think maybe you probably would see it. Maybe one or two teams following suit over the next couple of seasons. Uh, but probably not a whole lot beyond that until for quite a while. Uh, fully mentioned five though, because I believe they do have still the tandem of Hutchins and uh, Adutium. Uh, so if one of them does step back and become uh, the GM, and then one of them takes the head coach role full time, um, could be a different scenario. I see. Um, it is a lot of pressure having, you know, someone be the coach and the GM at the same time. It, it's, it can be difficult to to, to juggle both because uh, one area you may be good at the recruiting, like like Finity is an example. You might be great at the recruiting. But in terms of coaching, you may not get the best out of your players. Uh, or it could be the other way around. You could uh, be like like Thompson did. Uh, he, he didn't recruit the best players, uh, but coaching is a good coach, and uh, you know he, he's achieved a lot in, he, in his time. So it works both ways. But if if the clubs that currently do have you know this tandem of two coaches, maybe one of them could step back and uh, fill fill that GM role while one takes it on full time. Um, but it is interesting, and I do think that it will evolve over the next few seasons, seeing more of that, but not to a point where, the, where every team in the league has it. Again, it, it's a whole not financial sort of situation. Um, but, yeah, it, it's possible, but over extended time, I, I, I believe. No, I, I fully agree. And whether it's going to be every team, whether it's going to be... A handful of teams. To be honest, I don't see Tony Smith at any point thinking I'll sign a GM and a coach if he's got a coach that's happy to do both. So that's that's the other thing. Like we say, even if it is a case that it's it's a good move, at the same time a coach's or sorry, our owner's going to prioritise that over saving a bit of cash. Because also let's remember that cash then goes on the roster. You know, so that's that's the other side of things. You know, the, the money that they don't spend on a GM, they can they can spend on better players. Um, all right, but all right, talk to me about Cardiff. Then, what, what do we think about Cardiff? Obviously, they've currently got on 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 paper they've got their GM down as, as Todd Kelman, but I believe as far as as far as I can see, the majority of the recruitment was done by Jared Scalder. Jared Scalder's now gone. They're now looking for another coach, I presume. Did he bring in a coach and GM as one of the teams that should have one of the higher budgets? Is Do we think that's an option for Cardiff or do we think they'll go down the same route of a coach that recruits? I think they'll go down a, a coach that recruits. Um, and the rumour mill is quite uh, strong in terms of the same name coming up time and time again as, as um, one person that's keep as they're going to recruit from within. Um, and do kind of like an Andrew Law type thing. Um, so I suspect they'll go down that line. Um, as much as Kelman's done it a bit before, I think he he's happy to do the commercial side of things and kind of just represent Cardiff at board level meetings and and look at it that way. I think he has more of a trust to give to the coach to pick his team. Yeah, spot on there. It's like. When you look at Kelman, you don't actually think of him being like the actual GM of the team. You just see him as like the the face of the the face at like board meetings as such for Cardiff and market markets the team well. Puts work. I mean, look at how many sellouts they have each season. 
Imac is the team pretty well. So it's, yeah, I, I think coach-wise, I think it will be a coach that recruits. And we know what kind of players Cardiff can bring forward sometimes. Who knows? I mean, there is a, a rumour mill going wrong of one player coming back. And that player would be great. It would be the goal will be back. And not Nathan Lyons before you mention it. Well remembered, Gareth. Well remembered, sir. Gareth, again. I I can't see them going down any other route than uh, what happened before in the coach recruiting. Let's be honest, this season has been uh, a disaster for a team like Cardiff. Uh, they compete to win trophies like Sheffield. Uh, and like Sheffield, it's not been a great season for them. They've done, they've done fantastic in the CHL. Can't take that away from them, but domestically, they're not, they're not ended up with what they wanted so far, unless they do win the playoffs. But, yeah, I've got a feeling that they'll bring someone in who's got a wealth experience and, more importantly, I think we'll have a, a vast array, array of uh, contacts. Probably one of the most most contacts anyone has in the league currently, uh, coaching-wise. So, yeah, I can see him bringing in someone very experienced at, at, at coaching, at, at playing some, at coaching some very high leagues. They'll go all out, for sure. Uh, I can't see any, anything below that, but they'll expect to be back stronger next year, and I've, I've no doubt that, that that there will be. Uh, but yeah, I just have to wait and see who it is. But it's going to be someone good. Yeah, it's interesting to see what happens. I'd not heard the rumor mill to be fair. So, in fairness, if Joey Martin comes back, that would be uh, amazing, just because he's the go. But. We'll see who they bring in. Um, I actually thought Scalder was quite a good coach, in fairness. I, I actually don't I don't think I would put the blame on Scalder, I don't, you know, from, from what's gone on from their perspective. But I actually thought, in fairness, he could be a coach that could have fit in there for the next couple of years. Um, so either way that they go, in fairness, I don't think anybody realistically is going to have any doubt that Cardiff are going to be back there competing for that league title. Um they got the taste of it when Andrew Lord was at the helm and, uh, you know, they're not going to look back. And, and in fairness, we, we talk about we talk about this season not being the best for Cardiff. They still finished third. They're still in the playoff runnings. They still went to the, the, you know, the Challenge Cup final. So, it could go either way, you know. But, I have no doubt whoever they bring in, there's a lot of faith going in there from, uh, from Todd Kelman and, um, you know, if there's one thing that Cardiff know how to do, it's to, how to recruit a good coach, and it's how to recruit a coach that can get them there. Now, that's that's the point that Kelman's got them to, and he's done that since he stepped in. Um, anything else on on GMs? We we kind of sw- sorry, I swerved that one off from Ryan Finity, but anything else on this one, boys? I just want to throw one name out to you. Uh, I know there's been a rumor of Martin coming back, but. Uh, Charles Langley coming back as a coach for Cardiff. Mm. He'd have some good contact. Mm. He would. Yeah. Certainly would have some good contact. Player that I would like to have seen play in Orange before he uh, before he stopped. But yeah, that'd be certainly be an interesting one. I think Paul Thompson to Cardiff would be even better. Amazing. Can you imagine? The meltdown. Fantastic. 
Oh no, not him! Anyone but him? Uh, gents, so I mean, if, if yeah, anything else on GMs, um, so you're shaking heads. So we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, Sam Jones, Sham Jones, uh, has re-signed uh, with the Sheffield Steelers. He signed him on a two-year deal. Um, yeah, I'll go straight out to you guys. What do we think to this one? Good piece of business. Uh, upcoming Brit, gained a lot of experience. He's gone from. No disrespect, in a small, you know, in a small fishbowl, five to a bigger fishbowl in Sheffield. And I think he delivered. Um, he got better as the season went on, and he showed his quality. He's made the, the national side again. Um, so other coaches are, you know, recognise what he can do. Um, I mean, he says himself in interviews and, and his Instagram stories in that way. It's like, you know, if you are not playing well, you lose the time and you, you get what you deserve, but you've got to work hard, but you get the chance to do it. And he sh- he's earned the right to to get, I think he starts, it was like something like, by the end of the season, 20 odd minutes a game. And when you're getting that kind of trust from your coach, regardless of who your team is, you know your your game's in the right direction. And I, I was more than happy with Sam Jones. You know, there were, you know, we had a time where you thought, could have done better, but then again, you know, no one's perfect. So, two year, fantastic piece of business. You know, Sheffield needed another Brit D man, um, not replacing uh, Ben O'Connor. And we have this one now. So, uh, overall, good move by Sheffield. And as a Sheffield fan, I'm more than happy to, to see Sam Jones back in at Norwich next year. Sam Jones. Shush hell flash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a great re-signing. Uh, it's, it's nice to see not the usual one-year uh, contract either. It's, it's great that we got to see him too because in, in my eyes, he, he was one of the best D-men in, 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 in the league uh, in terms of, you know, there's, there's been imports brought in. That I, I, I think Jones has been better than a, a vast majority of the imports brought in for D. Um, he started to Sheffield, Sheffield really well, and you know uh, Fox has is, is done very well because what I believe is your Brits are the most important players that you are going to either gain or retain, uh, and if you lose one of those players to, uh, to more interest in the league, then that's that's someone really important um, in my eyes missed. So it's, it's great to have this deal tied down early. No doubt, Sam has proven why he, you know he, he deserves to be at a club like Sheffield, and he will have had a lot of interest from the league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's been at least every team having an eye on him. So it, it, again, it, it's, it's great to have this tied, tied down early, a nice two year as well, and um, hopefully we see um, the rest of the Brits coming back. And um, again, they are the most important piece of the team losing. Uh, any of them um, to another team is 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 quite guttering to us because they are, they are so important. There's so many imports out there that you could probably find as as good as or if not better. But the Brits are the most important. So uh, I hope this is a trend of, of of more more being re-signed quickly. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good signing. I think. 
to you guys. That's a cracking signing. Brit at the uh, he's a Brit, a young Brit at that, and then he's finished the season, well the regular season. He finished it on a plus twenty six. He's plus minus for a, a a young Brit at his age, considering what this is. He's technically his third full season in the Elite League. Well, not even full season. This is technically his first full season in the Elite League because he only played 24 games in five. And then obviously Elite Series then, was 16 games. And to still be on a, a plus 26, gaining that amount of ice time that he got. To then obviously get the call up to make the GB squad again. I think that was definitely a key signing for you guys. Out of all the Brits, one of the main Brits to actually sign. Go, yeah, we actually want you back next season. Plus 26. That's that, That's insane. For a 24-year-old Brit D-man. Uh, he's the third highest plus minus on the Steelers roster. He's one of three players that played a full season. He's 24 year old. Brit doesn't take up an import slot. That's high stock. Very high stock. Um, does he take too many penalties? Sometimes. Yeah. Are there a couple of penalties that you think did you really need to take that? Absolutely. But that doesn't by any means undermine the fact that he's that's a cracking sign. He's a player that's taken some fire because I think he took a penalty towards the back end of the second game against Dundee. And he has taken a roasting for it. And I believe if if, if what I've... My recollection is I read somewhere that he'd got death threats for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd read that as well. Which, if, if that is absolutely correct, it's... There's no words that describe that. Yeah, I mean, if, in fairness, if you're someone that's sending death threats to a player for taking a penalty at the back end of a game, uh, stop watching hockey. Uh, and if you listen to the podcast, don't actually listen to the podcast because I don't think there's any place for anybody that's going to make death threats to a player. I don't think any of the any of you guys are going to disagree with that. If there's anyone listening to this podcast that's going to make a de- death threat to a player, in any scenario, don't listen. It's a game of hockey. It's a game. And you've yeah. been that riled up to do death threats. Uh, go on, in the bin. Low life, honestly. But he's taken a lot of stick for that. I'm sure he regrets the penalty. We've all been there, boys. We've all played games where we've taken penalties. Dave, maybe not you quite so much as a goalie, but we've, we've all been there where we've taken a penalty towards the back end of a game. I, I've certainly done it before. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it happens. He's 24 years old. He's got a long career in front of him. You know, and he's a good player. And also, he's he's a 24-year-old kid that will stick up for the guys on the rink with him. How many times do you see a young Brit player that'll get stuck in, that'll drop the gloves? Drop the gloves with Kyle Haas. Granted, yeah, okay, the fight didn't go that well, but that shows some balls just to drop the gloves with Kyle Haas. You know, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. And to sign him on a two-year deal and take him away from any other team in the Elite League, is huge. Yeah, because he's a Brit D-man, and like I say, he's very, very high stock. And any team in this league is going to be interested in a player like that. Any team. 
doesn't matter if he takes a stupid penalty at the back end of a game, when it's just a playoff game or a first game of the season. That doesn't detract from the fact that he's a high-stock player. And what Sheffield have done, he's played a very smart game, and they've got a, a high-stock player tied to a two-year contract. He now can't go to any of the other nine teams for the next nine years, unless uh, next nine years, the any of the other nine teams for the next two years, unless there's some agreement, because he's got that on paper that he's signed to them. Here's the other smarter piece of business. Because if you look at Jonathan Phillips, Dowd, David Phillips, I think they're already on multiple-year contracts. If Sam Jones was to go to Finland and have the tournament of his life, and it's not just the elite league bubble that's that know about him, and now other teams go, oh, hang on a minute, who is this Sam Jones? You know, some GMs of a, of a DL2 team or, or a decent league in Europe it's just a conversation that we need to have that we actually bring in. I mean, he wears our jersey, even though he's a Brit, we've seen what he can do. Signing him and tying him down stops that. Like you say, there have to be a, you know, if he got an offer where he couldn't refuse, like a really good league, and you go, you know what, no, it's better for you to, to go, let's say, to an SHL team or a, a Liga team or a KHL team. In O'Connor's case, he nearly did um, after uh, Budapest. Um, where he was the defender of the tournament. Um, Tyler Dam does the business, so it's it's good business on so many different levels. Sam Jones is 13th highest plus minus in the league. We read you the 12 players above him. JJ Pikinich, Scott Conway, Sam Ruop, David Goodwin, Griffin Reinhardt, Martin Latow, Evan Mosey, Kevin Rain, Jeff Baum, Ben Lake, Mark Cooper, and Slater Doggett. They're the only players above him. Belfast players. Yeah. They're literally the only players above him are Belfast and Sheffield. Some good company there. Yeah. JJ Pickenich, by the way, plus 48. Unreal. (laughs) The next player down is Scott Conway on plus 37. It's plus 11 higher. Disappointing. Unreal. Um, I, great signing, boys. I don't think we've, we've all said it. Anything else on Sam Jones? Sam Jones. The only thing that's missing from being said is the Ilya Brizgalov quote. It's only a game where you have to be mad. Perfect. Superb. We're going to move straight on from that, graph. I know it's a perfect way of summarising that. Um... I've got nothing else on the agenda, boys. I'll throw it over to Andy for stepping stats at this point. Uh, now that the league league's pretty much done, uh, nothing much to say. But I, I will. I've noticed this actually uh, in last week. It's at Belfast. They're the only team I believe in the league that haven't got any European-born players apart from the Brits. Hmm. I had noticed that before. Yeah. No, I've never seen that before. So, you know, putting a cat among the pigeons with that one. <laughs> oh, Andrew. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what to say with that. I don't even know what to say with that. Um. 
it depends on the type of game you're looking to play. In fairness, if you're looking for the speed game, which you'd say traditionally European, you well, Belfast has shown that you can do the same. Um, the UK traditionally is North American game because we're a lot more physical than our European counterparts. I just think, you know, with how shall I phrase this? The political surroundings that we have at the moment is it maybe easier to get players from Europe and cheaper than North America. So there's a lot of players that you can admire that play from that are from North America. We've seen them in Sheffield, Belfast, Cardiff, Nottingham, and all the teams in the league this season and last. But there's also just as good European players. You know, he was never even heard of, but everyone knows who Latell is now. Fastest skater in the league. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Just get out, we'll just get it out there. Yeah, let's get yeah. Un- Undoubtedly. You know, there's one person that will actually argue to the... Uh, I'm well that aware. person will argue on every level, on every format to back what that person believes. I'm not saying that person's argumentative, but... <laughs> they like to steal hats, apparently. Yes. Used in the gym as well, on all accounts. The fact that my hat went to the gym is neither here nor there. <laughs> Chris, did you have any European players on your roster this year? Nope. I was going to say, absolutely no, there's there's quite a few, mate. I've just I've literally just I've been flicking through the teams because actually the first thing I noticed is the the third finishing team also are only North American because Cardiff don't have any European players. I thought they did at the start, and then did someone leave. Uh, just according, all I can go off is the roster that I've got from Elite Prospects. Oh, unless you count Andreas Valdix, but he was signed as a yeah injury cover. Yeah. He's the only um, he's the only player he's yeah. the only player that's that's your, of European, but he was literally I don't think they really used no, him they, to be they, fair. Either they, pure North American or Canadian and the Brits, of course. Uh, if it weren't for Kevin Linskoog, Guildford would be. Their forwards and defence are all North American, and then obviously the Storm. Yeah. Interesting. It is. I, do you know, I've never even thought to look at that, mate, before. That's a very interesting one to throw in there. You feel, oh, I like this one. This was a good one. Yeah. It's a good Stafford stats, despite the fact there's not many stats to discuss. No. <laughs> uh, anything else on this one, boys? Stafford, any more stats? Neil. Neil. Okay, no problems. So we'll jump straight to Predictions. Don't know why I said that so enthusiastically. Probably because it means we're nearly at the end and it's nearly 1am. Um, so, boys, Saturday the 30th, playoff finals weekend. Uh, semi-final number one. I don't know what order they're in. Doesn't matter. Belfast v Dundee. Uh, obviously in Nottingham. Obs. 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 Um, Belfast. <laughs> Score. 3-1. I've also written Belfast 3-1. You Third one like being it. an empty now. Get it written down. I'll send you a photo of it. It's like countdown. 
this is the point. Next, like, next prediction. I'm going to. I'm going to have to ask if anybody's got it not written down first, just so that we can make sure we've got it sorted. I've got seven. Um, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly seven. just wrote seven down. Then, but... <laughs> now, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to say Belfast four three in, in overtime. Yeah. I think Dundee will push him. Belfast three two. Uh, in reg. Uh, Cardiff v Guildford in Nottingham. Guildford 5-4 in overtime. Cardiff 4-3 in overtime. Cardiff 5-3. Ooh, cut. I'm <laughs> <laughs> delirious now, boys. I'm not going to lie. Um... Guildford 5-3. Um, and then obviously we don't know who's going to be in the final because our predictions are probably going to be wrong as I will tell you in a moment how wrong they were last week. It was not good. Um, so obviously, Andy, you've got Belfast-Cardiff in the final. Gref, Belfast-Cardiff. Dave, Belfast-Guildford. And I've got Belfast-Guildford. So who who is our... Op- I'm not going to ask for a score... Overall winner. Belfast. 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 Get those sweeping brushes out. Belfast. That's it, boys. Nothing else to nothing else to say. Um, oh no, I do have something else to say. Actually, I've literally just re- referenced it. Um, last week was not good. On predictions on Saturday, uh, we got a grand total between the four of us, a grand score of zero. Nil point. Nil point. Come in, Riga. Um, on the Sunday, uh, Andy, you've got three. And you got three because you got one score, right? Which was the Dundee Sheffield. Uh, Gref, you've got four uh, because you got the Guildford score, right? Three, two on the Sunday. Uh, Dave, you also got four because you got the Guildford score right on Sunday. And I got five. So, not the best Saturday, not a bad Sunday in the grand scheme of things. But do not put money on because of our prediction. Uh, I think that's all we can really say with that. Uh, what else? Any other business? Don't say other than socials. I'm coming back to that afterwards. Um, the third both place is going to be over 13 goals. Remember that, guys and girls. Over 13. 13 and over goals. Remember that. Um, Write that down. And 3v4. Dave says plus 13 goals. And it would be a miss for us. We we kind of mentioned it earlier on, but uh, as we recorded it, well, before midnight, the four-year anniversary of Rob Farmer scoring the goal that sent Great Britain to the World Championships, Pool A. So, uh, yeah. Yesterday was a happy Rob Farmer Day. Exciting times. Does uh, not seem I, like it was that long ago. I, I prefer Sir Ben Davies Day. But, you know. Um, one other thing I'll add, gents. I completely forgot this. 
the 12 game officials have been confirmed for the playoff finals weekend. Uh, referees are Andy Dalton, Steph Hogarth, Matt Rose, Liam Sewell, Dean Smith, and Matt Thompson. Linesman, Danny Beresford, Nathan Carmichael, Ryan Fraley, Ilya Kissil, Scott Roger, and Lee Young. We are not in any way going to discuss the validity or competency of the referees because that will get us in trouble. Well, not necessarily, but it's been scondered on Twitter. So we'll not do that. However, uh, Dean Smith and Matt Thompson will officiate their last ever games in the semi-finals. Um, so big up to Dean Smith and Matt Thompson. Referees take a hell of a lot of stick. Uh, they're two of the more out of the lot the more experienced referees now in the Elite League to be stepping down, Dean Smith in particular. Um, so as much as we've probably all slagged them off when they've been refing before, we wish them all the best. Um, you know, it's never good to see two two referees stepping down, and that means two slots to fill. So if you ever think, if you saw this and thought, oh, Dean Smith and Matt Thompson are retiring, thank God for that. Think about who's going to replace them. The grass ain't greener on the other side always. Um, Better the devil you know. That's the one uh, as well. Two good drafts. Um, they've, they've, uh, they've, they've paid the dues and demands and they've, they've earned uh, a good send-off. Uh, Dean Smith, we've all four of us have been looking to get to know a bit through uh, the All-Star weekend as he's helped out there. And he's a, a great bloke. Um, also Chat, he was chatting with us at Belfast International. Airport, and he was, uh, he was disappointed he had to drive home or he'd have been joining uh, the vast majority of us in our refreshments. Um now he's done, maybe we should try and get him on the uh, the podcast. I definitely think I want a referee on the podcast. Let's drop him a message, see what he'll uh, see what he says. Sounds but, good, uh, guys. Uh, Thompson and Smith, thank you for, for your time to the game. Uh, enjoy retirement. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy not having to have people shout at you every day that you do your job. Um, <laughs> Other than socials, any other business? Seeing shaking heads. So, social media, we've got at MSZ Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook, and the My Fancy Zamboni Podcast discussions group on Facebook also. Should be able to get that via the main Facebook page. If you can't, let us know. We'll get you added. Um, we'll start more actively using that, I think, as well, now that we've got a bit less to talk about on the agenda. Probably a bit more space for questions. Um other than that, gents, I think that just about wraps us up. I think we're just under the two-hour mark here, so a bit, bit longer than the last couple of episodes. However, Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, good to see you return, returning uh, to normal, uh, the podcast returning to normal length. So, uh, no, this is true. Uh, it's, it's what we're all about. Uh, thanks, uh, Andy. Thank you, Gref. Um, thank you to all who listen. Um I hope you've enjoyed whatever the hell we talk about. You still listen to us, so fair play to you guys. Um, but no, guys, thank you very much. Um, always a pleasure, never a chore. Something like that. But when it gets closer to 1am, it becomes more of a chore. Um, <laughs> Gareth, as you have been known three times on this podcast, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> thank you very much, Joe. Thanks to Dave, to staff, for when he eventually turned up. Better late than never. Very true. (laughs) And also thanks to anyone that's kept listening through the length of this podcast. 
Very true. Hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. Um, Andy, better late than never, mate, as I say. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you for bearing with, bearing with me. Uh, again, sorry, I'm late on. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Dave. Thank, yeah, Harith. Yeah. I've got out. Just, just. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, everyone listening at home. I really appreciate it again. And uh, yeah, it's got you back at normal length. And um, whereas going to the playoffs, have a great weekend. Any, any distant relations pets that you want to give a shout out today? Yeah, just want to give a shout out to uh, to um, Alexa uh, for playing us uh, on your system. Thank you. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Says <laughs> in kids, my head. Shout out to Alexa. <laughs> Play Gloria. Um, <laughs> wow. Right, gents, that's definitely the time to end it. Thank you, everybody listening. Uh, if you have listened to this point, how, why? Tell us how you um, do. Yeah, thank please. You. And thank you. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and thank you. Um, gents, we thank you very much. We want what you're having. <laughs> we, want, we want what you're having. What's going to say? No, gents, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Um, even, as I say, when we get to 1am. Um Thank you to everybody listening. Another episode of My Fancy Zamboni, and the Steelers might not be in the playoffs, but the shop is still open.